So I was absolutely ecstatic <laughs> to have my best tournament so far um, happen at this lake. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer Podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing in the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your host, Master Captain Angie Scott. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Woman Angler and Adventurer Podcast. So we just wrapped up our last regular season tournament of the year for the Lady Bass Anglers Association Women's Pro Bass Tour, which was the wild card tournament on Truman Lake in Clinton, Missouri. So I figured it'd be a good opportunity to update y'all and do a quick solo episode. Before I get into the tournament, for those of you who follow me on social media, you probably saw, but we had to put our beautiful 14-year-old golden spaniel mix, Sophie, down on June 5th. She was my soulmate dog, and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. This was right before we were starting to get packed up to hit the road, uh, so this was our first trip without her. She was an integral part of our lives and of Team Scott. Everyone who ever met her knew instantly she was a special girl, and we'll miss her so much. Okay, so now on to this tournament. Unlike most of the lakes I've fished with the LBA, this was actually not my first time on Truman Lake. My first time was my first ever tournament with the ladies back in October. It was the 22nd and 23rd of 2020. And I had decided to fish that last tournament of the year, which was the wild card, as a code just to get my feet wet and see what it was all about. It was so eventful, I ended up doing a two-part podcast about it uh, with Barbara Harris. If you don't remember it, uh, you should go back and listen. We we uh, definitely had the giggles while we were recording that. Um, so just to kind of give you an idea how tough it was, I tied for last place with seven other anglers because we all zeroed both days. I believe that tournament was supposed to have been in June like it was this year, but it got bumped to October because of complications with COVID, if I recall. So anyway, you can go back and listen to those by going to thewomanangler.com slash 155 and then the part two was slash 156. Needless to say, because of that first experience on this lake, when I saw it on the 2023 schedule, I was not looking forward to coming back. But I knew I had to buck it up if I wanted a chance to qualify to fish the classic. And that's on Bull Shoals, which I'm actually really excited to get back to. Uh, we had such a great time there and uh, we love the owners there. So can't wait to get back. But I remembered all the standing timber on Truman everywhere and some pretty narrow unmarked channels and cut throughs. I was at least confident that I had the best boat for the job, the Crestliner MX-19. I wasn't going to have to worry about damaging a fiberglass boat, bouncing in between all the trees and going over stumps. And it was just that, the perfect boat. We arrived on Saturday afternoon and I checked into the campground at Bucksaw. 
We were fortunate enough to get a slip for the boat at the marina, which made it really convenient to get out there early Sunday morning for the official start of practice. Sunday, I practiced by myself. My initial plan was just to hit some main lake points and see if I could start putting together a pattern. Because it was summer and the fish were mostly going to be in that post-spawn to starting to transition into their summer patterns, I decided to start off with a 10.5 inch plum-colored worm Texas rigged. The first main lake point I hit, I actually caught two back-to-back on my first cast. The first one was short and the second one was actually a keeper. Um, the largemouth on Truman have to measure at least 15 inches to be a keeper and the spotted bass and mean mouth had to be 12 inches. I thought I might be on to something and I wondered if maybe the bigger ones weren't staging out a little deeper but that didn't really pan out when I tried that. So anyway Monday and Tuesday I practice fished with the amazing co Pam Howerta. And uh, we ended up getting a bit of a topwater bite going early in the mornings off those main lake points. And then we fished a couple bluff walls with crankbaits and jerkbaits. The fish we were catching were few and far between, but they were quality fish off those bluff walls. And then we went and explored some offshore stuff, but that didn't seem to really be producing at all. We went back out early Wednesday just for a couple of hours to see if we could solidify that top water bite. And unfortunately, it was very slow. It was starting to make me nervous for the tournament because um, it wasn't the result that I was hoping to find. I wanted to try a buzz bait and I was really hoping that that would be the key. Um, but I actually got skunked on it. So at least I knew to rule that out for tournament day. So all wasn't wasted. I decided just to pick, stick with the most productive topwater bait, which ended up being a little white popper. So my plan going into day one was to hit those main lake points early with the white popper and until that morning bite died off and then go to the bluff wall. And I figured, you know, if I could pick one or two off with each pass, I was going to be happy because I felt like there were going to be quality fish. And then once I had a limit, I was going to go back to some of those main lake points with the worm and see if I couldn't upgrade some of my fish. And by the way, the main lake points I was hitting, they weren't just any main lake points. They were ones that were with channel swings and also had some standing timber. So we had our meeting Wednesday afternoon and got our pairings. And day one, I drew number six. So I was going to be boat number six for blast off. And I had Diane Williams as my co. And we were super excited because she was one of our good friends on tour. And we hadn't had the chance to fish together as of yet. Day two, I would be boat number eight. And drew, ironically enough, none other than Pam Halwerda. And we were ecstatic. So Thursday morning rolled around, and with safe light being so early, I aimed to get down to the boat by 5 a.m. there at the marina and start getting everything ready. Time came for blast off, and wouldn't you know, three boats in front of me veered off to the point that I had planned to hit first. I was hoping to be able to hit something before we had to go through what everyone called the cut-through, the cut-through was this area where you really had to learn it and know the exact line to be on. Otherwise, there was a good chance you were going to hit a tree. 
most everyone idles through that area because even if you're off by just a few inches, you could potentially hit something. Thankfully, during practice, I ended up getting behind a local and watched him plow through that cut through uh, at a fairly quick speed, but his bow was up in the air, so I knew his motor was extra low in the water, and he never hit anything, so... I ended up following his exact path, and from then out, I successfully made it through the entire uh, cut-through without ever hitting anything again. But I still wanted to go through it slow, because you just never know, and, uh, and you know, that burns a little bit of time, so... Uh, but that first day I ended up having to go through the cut-through because there wasn't anything else I wanted to hit before then. And I just, uh, from there, hit my closest main lake point that I had fished in practice and had some success. Started throwing that topwater popper just as I planned, and pretty quickly I started catching fish. And somehow, thank the Lord, the majority of them ended up being keepers, and I was elated. I ended up with all largemouth and just one spotted bass. And I had the live well full with my limit before 8 a.m. I, I just couldn't believe it. After the top water bite started to die off, I went to that bluff wall, sticking with the plan. Around 10.30, I picked off a keeper largemouth, so I was able to cull that spotted bass. I caught fish all day, but from then out, they proved to be... Uh, not keeper fish. Uh, I just kept hoping for a giant kicker fish, but that just didn't happen. But it was still a blast of a day for me. I ended up being one of only four pros to bring in a limit day one. And I was in third place going into day two. All the ladies were so sweet and uh, super excited for me to have such a great day. You know, and summer tournaments have been my most difficult tournaments. I'm a mostly a shallow water angler and you know as people that fish for bass pretty much know the bass kind of like to go deeper in the summer get to that cooler water and the fish that I usually catch up shallow they're just not keeper fish on these lakes that have that 15 inch limit and so my first summer tournament with the LBA was Cane River where it was extremely hot uh and I ended up uh, zeroing both days, not only both days, I zeroed the entire week. And not only bass, I didn't even catch a bluegill, nothing out there every day fishing all day and nothing. So that was that was my first June tournament. My second one was Bull Shoals last year, and I ended up uh, doing okay in practice. I had a topwater thing going and then that died by tournament time, and I only ended up bringing in one keeper fish on day two for bull shoals. So my two worst tournaments were summer tournaments, and I was pretty nervous about this one, not only being Truman Lake with the memories that I had there, but also the time of year. So I was absolutely ecstatic <laughs> to have my best tournament so far um, happen at this lake. Um so, so anyways, uh, going into day two, my plan was just to do this exact same thing. The only problem was, is there had been a steady warming trend and the water was, water level was dropping. And anyone who knows anything about bass fishing knows that those type of things could mean that things were going to be drastically different 
to the next day. And that's exactly what, what, what happened. I got out to my first top water spot and, uh, it was evident pretty quickly. Everything had changed. I only pulled one fish off the top water popper and it, it was a short fish. Um, but I didn't panic. I went to my next best top water spot, hoping they'd be on. And, uh, again, it still wasn't happening. So I thought, okay, no fear. I've still got the trusty bluff wall. Even if I have to grind it back and forth all day long with a jerk bait, I only need five bites because every single fish I caught there in practice was a keeper. And even though they were few and far between, like I say, I only needed five. So not too far into hitting that bluff wall, I caught my first keeper and I was like, okay, all right, this is going to work. But it just barely hit that 15 inch mark. In fact, I pulled it back out of the live well not long after I put it in just to recheck it to make sure that it was indeed a keeper. I ended up catching a couple more there, but they were all short. I was really disappointed. Um, so I decided to pull off that plan and see if we couldn't figure something new out. Uh, started hitting those main link points with the purple worm. Uh, nothing was really working. Late morning, we got into this pocket and it started getting a few more bites. And uh, they were, you know, solid 14 inches, so nothing we could really put in the live well. Um, but I was netting one for Pam and the fish shook its head, and in the blink of an eye, the hook ended up in her thumb. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't have any wire cutters on the boat, and that's something, by the way, I'm going to rectify before the next tournament. Um, we called Larry, the tournament director, who was back at the marina, to see if he knew of anyone that had wire cutters, and uh, he went and checked his car, in fact, so he found some. But we were a good 10, 11 miles away from the marina. Um, but we had to make that run all the way back so we could get that hook cut out. Kind of felt like going in for a NASCAR pit stop. Larry, Dana, my wife, and a couple other of the guys were there waiting on us. Joey, one of the other anglers' husbands, did the dirty work cutting the hook. And I believe from there, I think it was Larry who actually pulled it out. Meanwhile... I was already less than half a tank of gas, so Dana was refueling me. They got Pam cleaned up with some hand wipes, and we were back at it. I decided to make that long run all the way back to that pocket where we were just starting to catch. But by the time we got back there, the, the bite seemed to have died. So we hit some other stuff, but just weren't making anything happen. So I ended up coming in with just that one measly barely keeper large mouth to show for the entire day's worth of work. I was excited though, because I knew my friend, the crappie hippie, John King from the fish nerds podcast and his wife were planning on coming to weigh in, uh, all the way from Kansas. I've never met John in person before, and he's been such a great friend to me over the years via social media. Uh, I lined up Pam Martin Wells and Cassie Hall to chat with him for upcoming episode of the fish nerds podcast and I knew he was really excited to get the chance to chat with those ladies. Somehow, I ended up only dropping one spot to fourth place. And I didn't feel too bad about it because there's a good chance even if I had a good day on day two and brought in a limit, I may st still very well have finished in fourth place because there was a pretty big gap between me and the top three which were Pam Martin-Wells, Terry Sindrick, and the co-founder of the LBA, Cheryl Bowden. 
Pam, as it turns out, and I can tell you this because she said it on stage, she stumbled upon the fact that they actually wanted the worm in the morning and then the top water the rest of the day. I wish I would have figured that out. Um, I did throw the top water later in the day, but probably not long enough. Uh, the only reason I picked it up and threw it is because I'd seen a suspended bass and I was just trying to see if I could get it to come up. But by the time I started throwing at it, it had already been spooked by the boat and went deeper. No matter, though, I was ecstatic with my fourth place finish. And thanks to an anonymous donor, they were able to pay out five places. So I still got to cash my first check, the LBAA, and bring home a plaque. I also solidified my qualification in the Angler of the Year points to fish the Classic on Bull Shoals in October, so I'm super stoked about that. We don't have the official standings yet, but we do know that Terry Sendrick won Angler of the Year, fellow Tennessean, so huge shout out to Terry. They called me up number five, but I don't know if that's officially where I stand. I I'm find out whenever they post that on the website, uh, ladybassanglers.com. But I do know I'm officially going to the championship on Bull Shoals in October. So side note, every day during practice and during the tournament, I was visited by a deep orange colored butterfly. Now, I usually don't notice details, but I noticed this pretty quickly, and I'm convinced that it was our precious baby Sophie letting me know that she had my back. So thank you, Sophie. So my next big tournament coming up is the ICAST Cup on Lake Toho down in the Orlando area. We're bringing the Crestliner down, and I'm planning to fish it with Janine Blair from Fishinistas. This will be her first ever tournament, and Freedom Boat Club is sponsoring us, so we're super stoked. The highest finishing all-female team qualifies to represent Team USA in the Pan American Black Bass Championship in 2024. So I've never caught a fish on Lake Toho, but anything is possible, um, so wish us luck. So after that, I'll be at ICAST the rest of that week. Um, hopefully getting some great podcast content for y'all to enjoy. And uh, yeah, so all right, that does it for this quick solo episode. I just want to thank you all so much for listening and following along on my journey. And I hope to be back with y'all next week with another great guest. Until then, stay safe and tight lines. <laughs>